Okay, good morning, everybody. Okay, so we are on Yudalad Amal Beis, but before we just, before we actually start in the Gemara, um, before we start in the Gemara, you brought your glasses, good. Before we start in the Gemara, there's one topic we touched upon about a couple of weeks ago. I just wanted to, because uh, we didn't get a chance to speak about it last week. The end of the Gemara that we did last week spoke about that uh, Rabbi Yosef says, I heard this amazing, amazing uh, fact, this, this, this learned piece, that when Rav Shmuel by Yehuda came from, uh, from, from uh, Babel, they used to say, from Eretz Yisrael, sorry, <clears throat> they would say that by Mariv, they would just say the third parsha, they would skip essentially the entire third parsha of Kriyashma. <clears throat> so we discussed... So when they came to Bavel, they said that in Eretz Yisrael, they gave this abbreviated form of the third paragraph. And we know, we've discussed in the past, how is one allowed to do that? You're not allowed to, we say, We are not allowed to go ahead and stop a Pasuk in the middle. We have to, Moshe decided where to start and where to end the Pasuk. And it's not within our own uh, rights. We don't have the uh, powers to go ahead and stop a Pasuk in the middle. So the Chassam Sofer actually was bothered from this Gemara. Um, and he asks the following, he says, from this Gemara shows what we do every Friday night and every Shabbos morning is problematic. Why? We spoke about this briefly a couple weeks ago when the, we gave the, Zoom, the share on Zoom, but just to reiterate it because it's, it's important. It says that, so this Gemara in particular bothered the Chassam Sofer. It says, So he brings in the name of his Mechutin, the Chassam Sofer, in his, his child's uh, in-laws, he said that when he brought up this problem, he actually said this specific area is not a problem because these exact words are actually written in the Torah as a pasuk by the introduction to their eyes, by the introduction to the illicit relations. And it actually says these exact words, You shouldn't go ahead and follow the depraved ways of those neighboring uh, nations around you. It happens to be that this is not the context that they were saying it in, but it happens to be that these psukim, this pasuk, when you say daber, and you end off in Yishon Kechem, is the exact words in the pasuk, <clears throat> in a different context, but since you're quoting a pasuk in its entirety, you don't violate this prohibition <clears throat> of stopping in a pasuk where Moshe did not stop. However, as continues the Chassam Sofer, we do have a problem every Friday night and every Shabbos morning. Why do we have a problem? Because many of the minog, when we start uh, Friday night Kiddush, we say, Vahi Erev, Vahi Boker, Yom HaShishi. Now, if you look in the Bracious, the actual start of that part, that Pasuk is, Vayal Elohim has kol asher asa, tov ma'od, Yom HaShishi. So we're actually starting the Kiddush in the, from the middle of a Pasuk. So, how do, now, the Chassam Sofer says, he tries to defend this, and he says, the truth is, that many of us would like to start, Yom HaShishi, Vayichulu HaShemayim. Because Yom HaShishi, Vayichulu HaShemayim, the first letters are Yud Kei Vav Kei. So when you start, Yom HaShishi, Vayichul HaShemayim, Yud Kei Vav Kei, that's the way to start Shabbos with those words to introduce the concept of Hashem, right? That Hashem is one and Hashem Shavas are with us, for we rest. So that's really the ideal way to go ahead and start Kiddush. However, when you say um, Yom HaShishi Vayarev, it doesn't really have any context. So therefore you start Yom HaShishi. You start with Yom HaShishi. So therefore, to give a little context, he justifies what we do. Really, you would want to start with those words that Yudke Vavke, Yom HaShishi Vayarev. In order to give a little bit of context, you have to start Yom HaShishi. But the truth is, why don't we start from the beginning of the Pasuk? 
So if you look in Rashi, in the beginning of Rashi's, Tov Ma'od, it's very, it's a little bizarre, Chazal say they're first to death. That's when Hashem introduced the concept of death to the world, Tov Ma'od. It's so good that it's actually death. It was one of the Midrashim that Rashi brings down, that's what Tov Ma'od, and you don't want to start Shabbos by saying, Vinay Tov Ma'od, the first words out of your mouth when you greet Shabbos, is talking about death. So therefore he goes ahead and justifies that you don't necessarily, you can't start from the beginning of the Pasuk, you don't want to mention death. You'd really want to start from the words about Yud Kei but in order to give a little context, you say Yom HaShishi. Happens to be that my Rebbe, Rebbe Sachs, and I just started this practice to say the whole Pasuk, Vayar Al-Kim HaShishi. So if you want, you can start from that. You, none of us are really having the thought of, of death in the beginning of Shabbos. We're not really contemplating that. But uh, that, that's one issue to get around. Friday night, if you want to say the Al-Pasuk, you can do that. He also says the problem is Shabbos morning. Shabbos morning, many people make, because in Shabbos morning, really, you can make just a very, very abbreviated uh, Kiddush, we say Al-Kain Beirach. And Al-Kain Beirach, as you know, is the middle of the Pasuk. What does the whole Pasuk say? Then, so you're really starting in the middle of a Pasuk. When you say start, Al-Kain Beirach, you're cutting off the first half, the first two-thirds of the Pasuk. So really, one should not do that. And in fact, the Mishnah Bruah uh, condemns anyone who does this. And the Mishnah Bruah actually says, starting Kiddush Shabbos day with the words Al-Kain Beirach is improper because of this clause, that Moshe didn't go ahead and start there, so we can't start there. We have to keep the, the bookmarks, the bookends, of every Pasuk, the way Moshe expressed it. Moshe started beginning the Pasuk and ended there, that's the Pasuk. When we quote a Pasuk, you have to do beginning to end. And if you start Al-Kain Beirach, you're starting in the middle of a Pasuk, it violates this principle. So we brought this in, by the way, if you remember, by Parsha's Balak. There's also called Parsha, uh, Pasuk Moshe. You have to give the entire paragraph in its entirety. That's why we said, maybe we should just mention Parsha's Balak, the part that talks about the C.S. Mitzrayim, Right? Maybe we should just talk about that part. The Gemara says you can't just discuss a little bit of a parsha. You'd have to say the whole parsha's balak. And since the whole parsha's balak is way too long, we didn't incorporate it into the daily fabric of tefillah. So that's talking about the whole parsha. We also have a concept you can't talk about just a pasuk. You can't break a pasuk in half. You can't break a parsha in half. So if you go and say al kain beirach, you're breaking the pasuk in half. So in fact, the Mishnah Bura says one should not uh, follow that custom to start from al kain beirach. Uh, because you're actually starting middle of the Pasuk, whereas the Arach HaShulchan was lenient in this regard, and the Maharam Sheikh, who wrote a uh, Shailas Tshuva, said it's really not an issue. Most of the time when we go ahead and we say, you, not most of the time, when we say this uh, principle, that you can't start a Pasuk middle, that's only when you're doing it in the context of quoting the Pasuk. If you're quoting the Pasuk to be, quote a Pasuk, you have to quote off the Pasuk. Here, when you say Al-Kain Beirach, you're really announcing to everyone else, listen up, I'm going to say Kiddush now. And if you want to be Yotzi with my Kiddush, then you have to listen up. But you're not really quoting in the context of saying, you're not quoting verbatim the Pasuk. So he gives a little bit of leniency. Still probably better not to go ahead and rely on that leniency and to say the full Kiddush. And the third area where we violate this regularly is when we say, Zos HaTorah Asher Sam Moshe Lefnei Israel, stop. Api Hashem, Biyad Moshe is a different Pasuk. That's the middle of a, a few psukim later, a half a pasuk. So many people have the, um, the custom when they go in and they see Hagba, they say, and they stop, because that's the end of the pasuk. When you say, you're actually quoting another pasuk, but you're starting in the middle of that pasuk. So as to avoid that problem, says, I'm so fair, better to go ahead. This one he leaves as a tzarchion. Many people go ahead and they, 
uh, only mention another half of a pasuk, better not to mention that other half and just say the first pasuk and stop midway. So therefore, you're not violating. Stop meaning at the end of the pasuk. That's the end of the pasuk. That's when you should stop. Don't go ahead and start the next pasuk. Okay. That was just to finish up for last week. We are now starting a new area, a new daf, which is chock full of information. Uh, we're talking about mezuzah, tefillin, learning, teach, what we're going to discuss over the next couple of days, fascinating topics about tefillin. We're going to discuss a little bit about mezuzah, and we're going to discuss tomorrow, Mitzvah Hashem, whether one is allowed to charge for teaching Torah. It's not directly in, this, in the Gemara, but it, it does relate to teaching, and it's always an interesting topic, whether one can charge for teaching Torah. I'm not trying to throw Rabbeim under the, under the bus. We'll, uh, we'll come to a uh, conclusion after tomorrow's share. Okay, so we are in the middle of Yudalad Amabez, right middle of the narrow lines. First one line is Tanya Rav Shimon Barrio Ben Yochai. First one line is Tanya. So probably about uh, maybe 55, 60% down on the daf. Tanya. Okay. Tanya Rav Shimon Barrio Ben Yochai. Uh, no, no, actually, I'm in the wrong place. Rav Shimon Ben Karchal, I'm going to call Okay. So. We're starting from Tanya Rishim Ben Yochai. So we said last week, if you remember, Rabbi Shub Ben Karcha said the reason why the order of Parshios are in the order they are in is because the first Parsha talks about Kabbalah, so Malchus Shemaim, accepting the yoke of heaven. The second paragraph of Ahayim Shemua teaches us the obligation to fulfill mitzvahs. And the third one, since it has the Parsha of Tzitzis, which you don't have at night, it's only obligated to say during the day, we go ahead and we put that as the third Parsha. That is why the order of the way we say Parsha Sakriya Shema in davening is not in the same order it is found in the Torah. Okay, now we're going to give a whole new reason why we have the order of the Parshios, 1, 2, and 3, even though the Torah has it as 3, 1, 2, right? In Torah, the first, we're going to read, Ashlach, uh, this week's Parsha has Parsha of Tzitzis in it, right? This week's Parsha has Tzitzis. That's the third Parsha Kriyashma. Then we have Eveschanan is the first Parsha Kriyashma and Ekev the second. So if you were to read it in the order that the Torah went ahead and wrote it, it would be 3-1-2. But we read it 1-2-3. <clears throat> so why is that? So Daniel Shimon Bayuchai, he says as follows. Bidinu, really, Sheyak Dim Really, in truth, even forget about Rabbi Shubin Karcha's formula that first you accept upon yourself the yoke of heaven, then you accept upon yourself the yoke of mitzvahs, and then you go ahead and read Parsha Tzitzis. Totally different reason. The reason we have this formula is because the first Parsha of Kriya Shema is the obligation to go ahead and to learn Torah. It says, Vidibarta bam. What's bam? Bam is the words of Torah. So the first Parsha of Kriya Shema is the obligation to learn Torah. The second Parsha has lilame to teach, because it says, Vilimaratem osamas benechem. Now, it's not that teaching is more important, that, sorry, learning is more important than teaching. Rashi points out that don't think that by the fact that it says learning is in the first parsha and teaching is in the second parsha, that learning is more important than teaching. It's much more simple than that. You can't teach if you don't learn first. And Amma Aretz can't teach someone else. So the formula is, what A comes before B. In order to teach, which is the second paragraph, one must learn on their own. And that's the first paragraph. Vidibartabam teaches us one must learn. Only then is one able to go ahead and give over that information. And that would be the second part of Vilimaratim And then, so that explains why Shema comes before Vahaya. Why does Vahaya come before Vayomer? Vahayim Shema Vayomer. Because the second paragraph teaches us Lilmod, as we just said, and here it doesn't mean Lilmod versus Lamed, it's the institution of learning slash teaching, and the third paragraph is to go ahead and to do. So again, you have to learn 
in order to do. You can't do an action, a mitzvah properly if you don't know the halachos about it. How do you put on tefillin? Well, you have to learn about putting on tefillin. You have to learn about tzitzis. You have to learn about mezuzah. You can't do and perform these mitzvahs satisfactorily if you don't learn about them. So first you learn, teach, and then you do the mitzvah. So the third paragraph talks about making tzitzis, so on and so forth. So that's the order. What's the obvious question? The Gemara said, what? I have a problem with this. Are you telling me that the first paragraph of Shema has in it the obligation to learn and only to learn to the exclusion of to teach? Rather, it says, You tell me it only has the obligation, Shema only has the first of these three, meaning we said there's learning, teaching, and doing. So you're telling me Shema only has the first? Not only does it say, it also says, that you will teach. So the first paragraph has, you must learn, you must teach, and it also has that you must do. It says, You will bind the tefillin to your arm, and you will write the mezuzahs on your doorway. So we have the trifecta. The first paragraph of Shema has to learn, um, <coughs> to teach, and to do. Ukshartem, uksaftem, bind the tefillin, write the mezuzos, so it has all three. And visu, and even more than that, the second parsha, you telling me that only has to teach, philosophers less pain, it doesn't have to, to, to do, to perform, the exact same obligations that we have in the first parsha about writing tefillin and uh, wearing tefillin and, uh, or binding tefillin and writing the mezuzos are also found in the second parsha. So this formula that you had, that the first paragraph only has learning and the second paragraph has teaching and the third paragraph has performing is not true. We see that many of these parshios have multiple, multiple aspects that we're dealing with. So rather, the Gemara says as follows, this is what it means to say. Really, really, it makes sense that the first paragraph that we have at Shema should precede Vahim Shema. Why? The Gemara accepts this question, says, you're right. The first paragraph does have all three components. But since it has all three components, it's the only one that has all three components, it should be first. Not the order that we suggested, first learn, then teach, then do. Rather, learn, teach, and do is all within the construct of the first paragraph of Shema. Therefore, that's why that takes precedence. And now, Vahaya im Shamoa Levayomer, the reason why Vahaya comes before Vayomer, Shezeh Yeshba Lilamid Vilasos. The second parsha has two of those uh, aspects. It has to teach and to do. And Vayomer only has lasos. Vayomer, the third paragraph, does not mention the obligation to learn or to teach. So the order, in effect, will remain the same, obviously, but the reason is a little bit different. It's not learn, teach, do. It's learn, teach, do in paragraph one, learn, uh, teach and do in paragraph two, and the third one is just do, right? Make, make the tzitzis. Okay, Gemara says, so, okay, so why did we have to go through this whole exercise and really seeing what, what each parsha had? We know what each parsha, we, we, can, we can interpret Hebrew. Why didn't he just say what Shur ben Karcha said? That first you have to be Mechabal Amal Cheshmayim. The first paragraph teaches us about the one is the uniqueness of Hashem. Number two teaches about his mitzvahs. And the third one teaches us how to do the mitzvahs. Why did we have to do learn, teach, uh, do? Why did you have to learn this whole separate formula? So rather, he's not rejecting Rabbi Shimon Karcha. Rather, when Shimon Bayochai says, Chad Chad He's saying, I agree with Rabbi Shimon Karcha, but I'll give you another reason. Chada, reason number one is like Rabbi Shimon Karcha. So first one accepts 
the uh, the yoke of heaven by by saying Shema Yisrael and Vahafta Avas Hashem and Yiras Hashem Yichad Hashem the Achar Kachi Kabbal of all mitzvahs and only then we should go on ahead and go accept the mitzvahs Mishum Dispe Hani Milachris and then of Od and also Mishum Dispe Hani Milachris so therefore there's really another reason the reasons we just said about learning teaching and doing let's just finish up before we uh, do a couple tangents in Tefillin. The Gemara continues. Rav Mashi Yadis. The Gemara is going to bring a question now. What does one do first? Should one daven first? Should one put tefillin on first? And this is going to, we're going to discuss in a couple minutes if one doesn't have tefillin. If someone forgets their tefillin at home and they call a family member to bring the tefillin, but it's going to be 20 minutes from now. Is it better, is it better for one to go ahead and daven tefillin at Sibor? Or is it better to wait, meaning without your tefillin? Or is it better to wait for someone to bring your tefillin so you can dive in tefillin, kriya shema tefillin? We're going to see in a minute why that's important. So we'll keep that thought in mind as we do this. Rav Mashi Yadi. So either this happened once, or some people say it couldn't have happened once. If it only happened once, they wouldn't have brought a riot from this. But uh, nonetheless, Rashi says it happened once, that Rav washed his hands one morning. And that's not the, that's not the one time. I'm sure he washed his hands every morning. But the one time is Vikara kriya shema, and he read kriya shema. Then va'anach tefillin v'tzali. So first he did negovaser, then he said shema, and only then did he put his tefillin on. So the reverse order of what we do, we put tefillin on, and then we daven. He went ahead and he first said kriya shema, and then put his tefillin on. So the Gemara says, How did Rab do this? Vatanya, we have the following question. We know from a b'raisa, In the olden times, they used to have, they used to bury people almost in the recesses of a wall. So there was like a little bit different way they, not, I mean, also, they buried him, but there was... do that right now in Israel. In Israel, sometimes, yeah. So it was a little bit different than not necessarily always in the ground, but sometimes in the recesses in the wall, but whatever it is. So there, he was digging, he was digging, someone was involved in a mitzvah, preparing a uh, kavura, a, a kever, and potter mikriyashma. We discussed last time, if you remember, that anyone who was involved in a mitzvah is potter from osek mitzvah, Potter min a mitzvah. And we discuss whether it's an active mitzvah, whether it's a passive mitzvah, even those that say it's a passive mitzvah. It's only when you're involved in it. If you're wearing tzitzis, you can't say I'm wearing tzitzis, that I'm exempt from all other mitzvahs. That's too passive. It has to be osik. You're involved in the mitzvah. Okay. So you hear you're involved in a mitzvah. You're going and taking care of tzarche mes. You are going ahead and you are digging a grave. If you're digging a grave for someone, the, the Bryce says, Potter mi kriyashma. You're potter from kriyashma. Uminat and from davening, uminat and from wearing davening, we call mitzvahs amuros b'torah, and all other mitzvahs based on the principle of osek mitzvah patur mitzvah. They point out here why couldn't they just say that if someone who's da- who is involved in mitzvah of burying someone, why couldn't they just say you're patur from all mitzvahs amuros b'torah? Why did it have to delineate kriyashma tefila tefilin and all the mitzvahs? So there are those who say that these mitzvahs are because they're either mekabel of amach shemayim. This is kabbal shemach shemayim, where these need an extra kavana. You would think that it might only apply to these, which needs much. You have to have in mind when you dive in. We discussed many times the Rav Schidish that that fila is not just a performance; it's an actual thought process. If you don't have kavana, if you're not having what your thought and kavana concentration and focus on what you're saying, it's not really a mitzvah. Because the kiyum, the ma'isa is dibor. The kiyum, the action is articulating the words, but the kiyum to say that one actually davened, you have to know what's going on. You have to say the words. So maybe just mention these fila. And Shema, because for these you need extra special kavana. You have to understand what you're saying. But for a regular mitzvah, maybe maybe you would be able to uh, to do both mitzvahs simultaneously. Where it says it lists those and even all the other mitzvahs. Okay. Oh, oh, we're gonna get to that in a second. Beautiful. We're gonna get to that in a second. 
Beautiful. Thank you, Marty. And look at the Seifa. The end of the price, it says, if he gias man kriyashma, and now the time for kriyashma comes up, Ola, he has to come up from the, uh, from the grave where he's digging. Vinotel Yodov, he has to wash his hands. Umaniach tefillin, and he puts on tefillin. Vikore kriyashma mispalel. And then he has to say kriyashma and davin. So a couple questions that arise from here, but the obvious one is, what order do they say? Once you're getting up to go ahead and you're leaving now the burying, you have to get up, wash your hands, put tefillin on, and then say kriyashma. The opposite order of what Rav did, right? Rav went ahead and he would wash until the sedaim, then put on, then say kriyashma, then say kriya, uh, then put on tefillin. Here we're saying once the person's getting up, he has to go ahead and put tefillin on first. But <clears throat> Gemara says before we get to that question, hagufakasha. This is in itself a question because at the beginning of the brisa, you just said if you're burying a dead, you're involved in a mitzvah, you're potter. And then it says, if Zman Kriyashma came, get up, go wash your hands and put tefillin on. What is it? He was still going ahead and burying the dead, even in the second part. And again, the first part of the b'risa, we're going to get to the question of Rav in a second. But the first part of the b'risa says, when someone is involved in a mitzvah, for example, preparing a, 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 uh, a grave, then you're putter from all mitzvahs. And then it says, but if the time for Kriyashma came, get up, wash your hands, put tefillin on a daven. So what does that imply? So that implies that the first time it wasn't Zman Kriyashma, so then you, don't, you didn't tell me anything that he's Pater. And if he's not Pater, then why'd you say he's Pater? So the, the beginning and the second part, the Rish and the Seif, the Bryce, don't jive. Either you're Pater from Kriyashma when you're involved in Mitzvah, or you're not. What is it? Sigmar says it's not a question. Hagufa Kasha, because the Rasha said that in itself a question. Before we even get to the question I Rav, the Bryce itself is a stira. The first part of the Bryce and the second part of the Bryce contradict each other. Why? Because in the Rashi he said Potter, in the Rashi he said someone who's involved in mitzvahs Potter, but Sefer he said Chayev. If Siman Kriyashman came, he has to get up, wash his hands, put tefillin on and daven. So what is it? Gemara says, Hello, Kasha. It's not really a question. Why Sefer betray Rashi Bidchad? We're talking about where you have, in the first case, where you say you're Potter, you only had one person. And if he was to stop going ahead and digging and to go ahead and do the mitzvah, then the Tzarcha Mace would stop. The needs of the, of the deceased would be put on hold. So therefore, your mitzvah always takes precedence. But if there are two people involved, and it's such a narrow cover that what, basically what you're doing is that you're switching off your five minutes, and you're taking a rest, and the other guy's doing five minutes in the, in the heat, in the sun, while you're waiting, since you're waiting, go ahead and go up and do the... But if you're only one person, you don't stop. So that's an easy out, right? The first part which says you continue doing the mitzvah, it's only talking about one person. If you were to stop and go ahead, put tefillin on, say kriyashma, that the tzarech emes, the needs of the, of the deceased would be put on hold, that you don't do. You continue doing the mitzvah, you do a yudavin, tefillin, and so on later. But, but, but if, there are multiple if there are two people, that's what we're talking about. Then you have a rotation. So the actual tzarech emes never actually finish. Okay? Never actually stop. So that's the question of the b'risa. But now we're going to have to get to the question on Rav. If you remember, Rav went ahead, washed his hands, said shema, put on tefillin, and then davin. But here we're saying that once you're getting up already, it should say, Migiyah zman kriyashma, ola, you have to come up from the kever, wash your hands, Meniach tefillin, put tefillin on, and only then Kori Kriyashma Aspalal. So the order here seems to suggest that you put tefillin on before Kriyashma. And how did Rav and violate so this? Time, yeah, yeah. If you're right up against Zman. Oh, so we're going to get to that also. Excellent. So that would be an answer also. It doesn't seem to say that here, but you're correct. Lahalacha, you're correct. And we'll get to that in a second. The Rav has spoken once again. Okay, so now, had that name right, right? The Rav? Okay, pretty good. Okay, now. So, so it is a problem for Rav. 
So Rav, Rabbi ben Karcha, Svira Leis. So we're going to say that Rav really holds like Rabbi Shur ben Karcha. Rabbi Shur ben Karcha was the one who said because of the first paragraph is Kabbalah so Malchus Shemaim, then accepting mitzvos, and then you can do the mitzvos. He holds like Rav, Rabbi Shur ben Karcha, Svira Leis. That what the Amar on Malchus Shemaim Tchil of Achar Kachol Mitzvos. First, I'm going to accept the oneness, the yoke of Hashem of Shemaim, then I'll do the mitzvos. So first, I'm going to say the first paragraph of Kriyashma. I'm accepting upon myself. Omal Cheshmayim, the, the, the yoke, the burden of heaven, and then I'm going to do the mitzvahs. Now, the problem with this is, Meshuvah Karcha was not talking about saying and then doing. He was talking about the order of Kriya Shema. First, say the first paragraph of Kriya Shema, because that's Kabbalah Somal Cheshmayim. Then say the second paragraph, because that's Kabbalah Somal Mitzvahs, you're accepting mitzvahs. He didn't mean to say, first say the first paragraph of Kriya Shema, stop, and then do mitzvahs. He gave the explanation of why we read the paragraphs of Shema in order that we do one, two, three. But he didn't have the intention to say the first paragraph, stop Shema, and then do the mitzvahs. He just said the second paragraph is to accept the mitzvahs on us. What happens if you're going, you're getting justice by Krishna? You don't have time to do both. Perfect. So you film first. Perfect. We're gonna get this is this is perfect segue. We're gonna get to that. Hold on three minutes. Hold that question. And, and Jeff's question is similar. So, Amar, so when do we say, Damar Bishu ben Karcha, the Hakdim Kriya Shema, Kriya, the Kriya, Kriya Lassia Mishamaslay? Rabbi Bishu ben Karcha never said, that's not a good answer for Rav. Because Rabbi Bishu ben Karcha said a statement in the context of the three parts of Kriya Shema. He didn't say the, say the first paragraph, stop, and then do mitzvahs. Visu, that's one question. Visu, Misavar like Rabbi Bishu ben Karcha. Who says that Rav actually holds a Bishu ben Karcha? But Amar Rav Chiyabar Ashi. Rabbi Barashi actually said, Zimnin Sagin, I've come in and come in to Rav. There were plenty of times that I was standing before Rav. Umakti Mamashiyade, he would in fact get up early in the morning, he would wash his hands. Umivarech, and he would make Berchas Torah. Umasnilan Perkin, and he would learn and he would teach. And then only Monach Tfilin, and only then would he go ahead and put Tfilin on. Vahotar Kari Kriyashma, and then greet Kriyashma. So we see once again, that he went ahead and multiple times, he went ahead and he dav and he uh, said Kriya Shema before he went ahead and uh, and he put put the tefillin on. But so we see Kriya also Shema. not just that, not just that. We also see that he said the mitzvah of Talmud Torah before Omal Chushmaim. So this is another question. Here he learned and then he went ahead and said Shema. So your your um, suggestion that first he wanted to accept Omal Chushmaim and then do mitzvahs doesn't even apply here. Because he violated it here as well. First he went ahead and he learned, which is the mitzvah of Talmud Torah. Then he said Shema. So we have two questions on Rav. One second. You have two questions on Rav. Rav, one, we want to say maybe Rav said that Rishim Karcha said the, his context. He said well, the reason why we say the first three parts of Kriya Shema in the order that we do, not the first three, all three. One, Kabbal Salmal Chashemayim, Kabbal Salmal Mitzvahs. Rav says stop. He's, I'm going to say the first paragraph, and then instead of saying the second paragraph, I'm going to do the mitzvahs. But that's a problem. One, he never said that. That wasn't his context. His context was in the order of Kriya Shema, not to stop after one paragraph and do mitzvahs. Number two, Rav didn't even fulfill that, because he'd learned before he even said the first parasha Kriya Shema. So he was doing a mitzvah before he did the, before even accepting the first paragraph of Shema, so we see that he cannot go ahead and, and accept that. Uh, yeah, what do you want to ask? Oh, I understand learning before Shema, that's not a problem, but in the Shema itself, it says, So it should be clear that you're doing it first, you put it... Oh, beautiful. That's the next Gemara. We're going to get to that, hopefully. That's beautiful. The Gemara is going to say, actually giving false testimony. If you go and you say Shema without wearing tefillin, it's false testimony. That's that's the question. So we're going to see in a second, what's better, davening without, with a tefillin of a tzibor, 
or should you say Shema with uh, with Philip? Ron? So if we leave out the learning part for a second, because that came afterwards, learning before, before Shema and before Philip. But just going back to the original problem, Rav first did, uh, he washed his hands, and then he uh, he davened Shema, and then he put Tefillin on. That was the first thing you were talking about. But in this example he gave later on, said, oh, but Rav actually washed his hands, yeah. and put Tefillin on, and then did Shema. Nothing wrong with that. We all do. Like that's, you, you made it seem like it was the same as the first example. It's not. No, it's not. No, so right. No, correct, correct, correct. So my mistake. The, the problem here is that, correct. The problem. You're right. The, that order was correct. The problem here was that he did a mitzvah before he said the first paragraph. So the learning. Yes, yes. Before he said the first paragraph. You're correct. So that was the point here. In other words, even if you want to say that that taking from Shur Ben Karcha out of context, out of context, still. So that's why he puts filling on after the first parsha. But he doesn't always subscribe to that because here we saw he learned before his Kabbalah Malchus so if you want to tell me he said the first paragraph and then learned, uh, he's consistent. But he's not even consistent here because first he learned, which is the mitzvah of Talmud Torah, then he said the first paragraph Shema. But you're right, your, your point is well taken. I, I misspoke. Now, so the Gemara says, and if you want to say that really, Rav that you have to first accept upon yourself um, Torah, Omach uh, Shemaim, before doing any mitzvah, that's Bidlomata. Zman Kriyashma. That's when Kriyashma, the time of Kriyashma, didn't come. Shem Kain, Maya Hasadi Rav Chiyabarashi. You can't tell me that you're going to say maybe this was all before Zman Kriyashma came. That the only reason Rav learned beforehand was because it wasn't time of Kriyashma. Then they wouldn't have brought this as a proof. In other words, that's such an easy answer. Don't give me that answer that, to your question. Don't give me an answer that he learned because it wasn't yet the time of Kriyashma. And only once Kriyashma came did he say Kriyashma. But before the Zman of Kriyashma came, he, he learned first. The Gemara wouldn't have brought that. That's such an obvious answer. That's not a proof. You try to bring a proof here. It must be that the Zaman of Kriya Shema was already upon him, and he still learned before. So don't give me that, that cop-out answer, says the Gemara. So the Gemara says, Mikomakam is still a question to Rav. Oh, sorry. So the Gemara says, La Fuke. No. So really, the reason why you could, the, the reason why we brought this case is La Fuke, Amar, the Mishnah in Sarach Levarach, Hamash Mulant, Afal Mishnah Sarach Levarach. No, the reason why we brought that case is to show that, remember we said earlier, there was a whole uh, Havamina. We thought that there are certain parts of the Torah that you don't have to make a bracha on, right? You don't have to make a bracha on. So everyone says you have to make a bracha on on Torah Shabbatav the Chumash, but there are those people who say you don't, you don't make it on Medrash, you don't make it on Gemara. So the reason why he's, this Bryce was brought in to show us not the order, but rather that Rav was of the opinion that he's because it says he made Berachas Torah and then he learned. Presumably, it says he learned Mishnah. The Rishonim said so to teach us that you have to make a bracha before you learn Mishnah. Okay. So, but the bottom line is, it's still a question on Rav. How did Rav, so this problem, we can, we can get out of this, this issue. But the basic problem is still that Rav went ahead and davened Shema before he put tefillin on. So mikomakam kashra Rav, it's still a question on the Rav. So the Gemara says, aves. No, the real, real issue is that the Shaliach was supposed to bring Rav his tefillin. He forgot his tefillin. <clears throat> and that was the only reason why he didn't have his tefillin with him. So he went ahead and he said Shema, but under normal circumstances, had he had both, he would not have gone out of order. Okay, so that's the answer. So the answer is basically that had he had the tefillin at the time, he would not have gone out of order. He said Shema, maybe because the Zman was coming up, and then he said Kriya Shema, and then he put his tefillin on. Okay, so that's the answer. But La'alacha, how is this going to impact? So before we do that question, um, let's see, should we do this one first? 
Okay, so we have like four topics to discuss about tefillin, and then tomorrow we're going to discuss about a little bit about mezuzah, and then we're also going to discuss the question, because we spoke about learning, we're going to discuss also, can one uh, charge someone to teach them? Um, and if we find out that the halacha is, then I'm going to start putting on the pushka here to, uh, to compensate me. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now, so the question is, the Rambam counts the mitzvahs of tefillin as two separate mitzvahs. <coughs> mitzvahs, yud beiz and yud gimel, he counts them as two separate mitzvahs, the tefillin shel yad and the tefillin shel rosh. Two separate mitzvahs. And we've discussed many times that there are many, many different counts of the 613. Everyone has to come to the same conclusion, that tar yad mitzvahs nemru mesina, the last off in Makos, second to last off, Makos chav gimel that we discussed, that um, Rabbi Simloi says there are 613 mitzvahs. And so you have many, many of the Rishonim who count how to get to 613. So not everyone has the same. The Rambam happens to be that he counts the Tefillin Shalyad and Tefillin Shalrosh as two separate mitzvahs, mitzvahs 12 and 13. Easy way to remember, a person puts on Tefillin at the age of 12, and certainly once he's 13, so easy way to remember the Rambam's mitzvahs, Tefillin 12 and 13, when the child starts to put them on. Now, it's interesting that the Ramban has a very, very big problem with this, because the Rambam holds that if, the, if there are two parts of a mitzvah that are done for the same purpose, it should only count as one mitzvah. So if there are two parts of a mitzvah, that count, that are for the same purpose, it should only be one mitzvah. The classic example, the Ramban says, is tzitzis. Tzitzis, we have white strings and we have tcheles, two separate components, yet they are both there to remind us of the taryag mitzvahs, right? It was chartem, called mitzvah Hashem. So since tcheles and the white strings, the lavan, are two parts, the Rambam does not count them as separate mitzvahs because they're coming for the same purpose. That's what the Rambam says. Anytime you have separate components of a mitzvah that are done for the same purpose, it's one mitzvah. The obvious question is... So building a sukkah, we discussed, I don't know if you were here for that, whether that's a mitzvah or not. Whether it's building a sukkah, a heksher mitzvah, or a mitzvah, the Rishami says you make a brach, and the Bavli just says you don't, but we discussed whether it might just be a heksher mitzvah, but, um, but the Dalin Minim. Another classic way to differentiate is, is each part of the mitzvah ma'akev the other? Meaning, if you only have part of the mitzvahs, does it hold back? If you have, let's take your example of sukkahs, for example. If you have three of the dalaminim, if you have three of the dalaminim, and you shake a lulav, hadasim, and an esrog, and you're missing that ravos, did you fulfill the mitzvah of dalaminim? No. No, not at all. Not at all. So, but if you have a tefillin shalyad, and you don't have a tefillin shalrosh, or if you don't have tefillin shalyad, you have a tefillin shalrosh, do you still put on a tefillin shalrosh? Do you fulfill a mitzvah? Yes, you actually make two brachos on. If you don't have tefillin shayad, you only have tefillin shayad. Tosa says you make two brachos. So here it's nam akev. So maybe it makes sense to say that tefillin is two separate mitzvahs because one doesn't hold back the other as opposed to the dal of minim. If you have three of the minim but you're missing the esro, you're not yotzi the mitzvah. That is ma'akev. That does hold back the mitzvah. But in any event, the Rambam seems to be bothered by the Rambam because the Rambam in fact says in one of his um, principles that if you have multiple parts of the mitzvah, and, the, and there's, for the same purpose, you do not fulfill the mitzvah. In fact, <coughs> it says, the Pasuk says, In order that uh, the Torah of Hashem should be in your mouth, that's why we have the mitzvah tefillin. And that relates to both the tefillah shal yad and the tefillah shal rosh. So why does the Rambam, in fact, count them as two separate mitzvahs? And the Ramban goes one step further. He says, and if you're going to tell me that they're two separate actions, I don't want to hear that. You know why? Every day in the time of the base of English, they brought two karbanos, Tamid Shel Shachar and Tamid Shel Ben Harbaim, morning and afternoon. How many mitzvahs does the Rambam count that as? One. One mitzvah bringing the Tamid every day. 
So the Ramban says, don't tell me that if it's going to be two separate actions, one on my arm and one on my head, that should make it two separate mitzvahs. Because I'll give you another example. The Rambam says, you're bringing two separate karbanos every day, the Tamit Shal Shachar and the Tamit Shal Ben Arbaim, and it's only one mitzvah. So he's backed the Rambam into a corner almost, okay? So there's an unbelievable Tzafnas Panech. Tzafnas Panech is also known as the Rugged Shover. Many people know the Rugged Shover. Lived in the 1858, I think it was Nifter, in 1936. Um... He wrote down something as follows. He says, based on the, on the Rambam, he says, listen to what he says. This is unbelievable. He says, what is it, what's the mitzvah by, by the shelyad? Ukshartem. You have to go ahead and bind it. That's a physical act. You have to go ahead and bind the tefillin. What does it say by the tefillin on your, on your head? Pahayu, the totafos beninecha. They should be between your eyes. Almost a passive doesn't say you should bind them to your head. It says it should be there. He says, to illustrate the difference, he says, let's say someone puts on tefillin at 4 o'clock in the morning. 4 o'clock in the morning. And sunrise is at 6 o'clock. And it's now 6.05. Did he fulfill the mitzvah? And the tefillin are already on. Did he already fulfill the mitzvah? No. So did he bind the mitzvah at the proper time? No. no. But is he, v'hayu, it should be on your head is he fulfilling that mitzvah at the proper time? Yes. 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 That doesn't require an action. So he says, <clears throat> clearly there's a difference between these, two, between these two mitzvahs. And this is the example. One means formally, ukshartim, you have to actually go ahead and bind the tefillin around your arm. The other one is just that it should be laying on your head. And to give a practical application of that, he says if one puts tefillin on way before the zman, and now the zman comes, do you have to actually take it off and put it back on again? So you would say for the arm, you have to, because the mitzvah is ukshartim. If you did something that's not during the zman, you're not yotzi the mitzvah. But do you have to put your tefillin, take off your tefillin, shal rosh, and put it back on again? You wouldn't have to. Because the whole mitzvah, he says, is v'hayilototavos benecha. It should be between your eyes, says the rocket shopper. And therefore, so zman comes. You're yotzi already. So he shows that there's, even though <clears throat> they're similar in a lot of respects, they're, they're totally two different parts of the mitzvah. And he says it's not the same mitzvah as wearing tzitzis, to, uh, white and blue at the same time with one action. It's totally different here. It <clears throat> doesn't answer the question entirely because we still said even if you have two different actions or it's coming for the same purpose and tefillin is coming for the same purpose, but it gives a little bit of an insight. Maybe you can answer the Rambam that although ideally tefillin should be worn all day, perhaps maybe that's just by the shell rosh. Maybe the shell rosh, it says, but a kshartem, the mitzvah is to tie it. And once you tie it and bind it, theoretically you should be able to take it off two, three minutes later. But the tefillin shalrosh, it should be on, it doesn't give us a zman, it doesn't say it should be on your head. That could theoretically be much longer. So there is a little bit of a way to distinguish between the two mitzvahs, maybe giving a little bit of, cre- of not that the Rambam needs our support, but to support the Rambam, why it's two separate mitzvahs. And the other answer we said is because generally when one part of a mitzvah does not hold back a second part of a mitzvah, it can be counted as two separate mitzvahs. We'll pick up tomorrow with the question of tefillah b'tzibor. We're going to discuss tomorrow tefillin and chalamoid. Why do some people wear tefillin and chalamoid? Some don't. And we'll discuss tomorrow as well the concept of hesachadas, not thinking about the tefillin. Why are you wearing the tefillin? Is it the mavalto, the mitzvah? Why is it so important? How often we have to touch our tefillin to remind us? Have a wonderful day.